scripture that was read this morning was taken from Psalm 107, verses 8 to 14. Psalm 107, verses 8 to 14. And I will read it again, and it reads, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness, such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron, because they rebelled against the words of God and contemned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke their bands asunder. Amen. Amen. Praise God. The actual sermon is taken from the entire chapter of Psalm 107. And the chapter of Psalm 107, in this chapter, the writer is talking about a particular type of believer. And he's talking about the nation of God. Eight times in this psalm, the people are described as being hungry and thirsty, described as being fallen down with no one to help them. In fact, verse 17, the people are described as fools because of their iniquity and their sin. Eight times the people are highlighted because of a negative attribute in their lives. And in Psalm 107, for five times, the writer exhorts the people of God to praise the Lord to give thanks unto God. He says, oh, that men would praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. The theme for this word today is, it's not too late. Amen. Hallelujah. It's not too late. I want to say a disclaimer before I go into the word that um, this word is not a word pertaining to anyone personally here. This word is a word that pertains, as, um, as I once I heard a bishop once say, to the church down the road, not to this church. This word pertains to the church down the road. There, there comes a time in the life of a Christian when due to poor life choices, 
due to the pressures of life. And only when desperation kicks in, when that person lifts up a prayer that is finally sincere unto the Lord. A sincere, whether it's a sincere desire to repent from a repeated sin in their life, whether it's a sincere desire to, and a need to be clean. Am I speaking to someone? Or if it's a sincere desire to follow the Lord the way that they used to. Psalm 107 presents a picture of a person or a people who have neglected God for far too long. Far too long. In the scripture, it describes them as um, sitting in darkness in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron because they rebelled against the words of God and they even condemned the counsel of the Most High. It describes them in, her, in the scriptures that they wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty. Their soul faints inside of them. It describes them that they have been brought down their hearts with labor and they fall down and that when they fall there is none to help them. And the psalmist says, but then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. Hallelujah. And he saved them out of their distresses. Hallelujah. What a merciful and forgiving God we serve. Hallelujah. Praise God. There is none of us that can stand before God as being righteous. There is none of us who can stand before him based on our works and our achievements. If any of us was to stand before him to enter into the pearly gates based on our works alone, none of us would get entry into heaven. Hallelujah. It's simply because of his grace and his mercy. Hallelujah. That we have the gift of eternal life. Everlasting and everlasting. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. But there are believers of God who during their lifetime face difficulties and challenges, not primarily 
because of the enemy and what the enemy is doing, but because they choose to neglect God. These things can happen to anybody because there are things that affect children of God. And the first thing I want to talk about is the effect of the environment. Hallelujah. The effect of the environment that some people find themselves in. Sometimes you have to get away from a toxic environment. You hear me? Sometimes you, you're, you're, there is an environment at work that is toxic. I'm not going to ask you to show me your hands, but I know there are some people here they were so glad that after COVID now, work now lets you work from home. Because the environment at work was so toxic. So negative and oppressive. Sometimes when you're in a, a toxic and negative environment, it will affect the children of God. And this environment can be at the home, it could be at work, it could be even across the nation. In Judges 21, 25, it says that there was no king in Israel in those days. And every man did what was right in his own sight, in his own eyes. That was a negative environment. That is an environment that is not conducive for God. Hallelujah. Everyone is lawless. Everyone is, as the Jamaicans might say, own way. You heard that expression? You're too own way. Huh? You're too own way. Yeah? Every person was doing what they felt was right. And no one was there to say, that was actually wrong. No one was there to say, this is the standard or that we need to live by. And that's the environment that is negative. And as a Christian, if you find that the environment is affecting you, you need to withdraw from that environment. Hallelujah. Praise God. You need to withdraw from that environment and reconnect with God praise God then you will regain clarity then you will regain purpose then you will regain your energy hallelujah to stand and do the things that are right praise God it's not by mistake that when you read in the scripture you see that the majority, 99.9% of the people called by God were always more or less living outside of the environment that they were speaking against. John the Baptist never lived with princes and kings. John the Baptist never preached in the synagogue. He was out in the wilderness because God knows 
if he was in their environment, they would contaminate him. If he was in their environment, they would say, don't preach so hard, John. Don't say this or don't say that. It's not correct, John. You're going to upset people, John. You don't know that, John. Huh? If he was in their environment. And even Moses. Moses, the leader of the nation. When you read the scripture, Moses was isolated from the people. Hallelujah. He didn't understand them and they didn't understand him. God sometimes has to take you out of that environment, that negative influence that would affect your mind and how God can speak to you. You need to come out of that environment. It's like you're in an environment and it's pure, loud, heavy metal music, pure craziness going on, pure this, pure that going on. And then you're going to say, you, um, through that environment, you're going to do the work of God. It's not impossible, but it's very difficult. God will take you out of that environment, prepare you and send you in. But God doesn't want you to dwell in that environment, children of God. Sometimes the environment that you're in is what's affecting you in your prayer life. Is what's affecting you in your outlook. Is what's affecting you in your service to God. Hallelujah. The entire nation of Israel, when the psalmist wrote this psalm, was in a negative environment. The whole lot, root and branch, was in a neg negative environment, taking God for granted. Hmm? Just imagine they would have experienced the greatness of power of God opening and parting the sea and letting them walk through on dry land, feeding them bread every day, manna from heaven. God would even have given them the miracle that for 40 years, their shoes on their feet never even worn out. Something that's physically impossible. You're wearing the one decker decker shoes, this, for 40 years, walking every day. And the shoes on your feet, God sustains to never wear out. Hallelujah. They went through all of that. They see the glory of God in the mountain. They hear his voice when he spoke to Moses. Yet the moment Moses was away for 40 days in the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments, what did the people of God do? They turned their back on him. They took their jewelry and melted it down and made golden calf image yes. and they so corrupted even Aaron the priest that he was there affirming it and the people was there rejoicing to the, to the effect 
that when Moses was coming down and he met Joshua, that he thought at first it was a war. Hmm? Back in the days, they would have said, boy, that dance was good, you know. <laughs> Moses thought it was a war going on. There was so much noise, so much reveling. And when he came down, he was so upset that he broke the tablets with the Ten Commandments. How could we be walking with God for years after years after years after years after years? And the minute Moses turns his back and is no longer there, the people of God turn their back and start worshipping idols. What that really indicates is that the people of God were not actually God-focused to begin with. They were Moses-focused. And that's one of the problems in the churches today, where we become man-focused. Hallelujah. We become man-focused. Yes. Not God-focused. The minute that man is no longer here, and that man is just flesh like me and you, you know, Sister Johnson. The moment that man is not there, the people backslide. Huh? And the people turn back. And they start to say, oh, they start to doubt God again. That's the if negative effect of that environment, that even Aaron, the priest of God, who should have known better, he succumbed to their pressure. This is what's happening in the church today. We see it, denomination after denomination. It's succumbing to the effect of a demonic, antichrist environment where bishops and ministers are succumbing just like Aaron and accepting the carnal, evil, antichrist teachings of the world. And when they let that come into their building and they start celebrating it, it's going to fully destroy the, the spiritual potential of the people of God. And this is the type of people that the psalmist is talking about about in Psalm 107. He said in verse 11 that they rebelled against the words of God and contemned the counsel of the Most High. So man was no longer looking at God, but they're looking at their own counsel and making up their own laws that suit, their, suit them and their feelings. And as long as their, their feelings is right, then that is all. The next effect that, that can affect a person in their walk with God is the effect, the effect, what I call the effect of pride. Hallelujah. Pride blinds people to the grace of God. You know, pride, I heard someone I was listening to Premier Radio when I was driving 
And one of the men shared a, uh, he shared a testimony. And he says he heard a man say to him, he was talking about pride. And he said to him, the one, the one sin that is very hard to talk to somebody about is the sin of pride. Because sin, pride is the one sin that that person will never see. Isn't it? When someone is proud, they're, they're the last person that thinks they're proud, you know. When someone is proud, they think they're humble. When someone is proud, they think there's nothing wrong with them. But everyone can see that they're proud and they're stush. Yeah? Everyone can see that they're proud and they're stush. And that there's certain people that you don't want to be seen talking to. There's certain people in church that don't want to welcome. They only want to be seen with the big up, you know, the big up people. Yeah? That's the only ones they want to be seen with. And they show them their good face because of the pride that is in their heart. Hallelujah. Pride makes people believe that um, to follow God sometimes they have to go through complex rituals, meditations, training, learning, this, this, that, that, just so they can boast in the things that they have achieved. Pride can make these people get to that place where they're no longer hearing from God. Hallelujah. That's why in verse 11 and 12, that's why it says that they rebelled against the words of God and con condemned the counsel of the Mosai. Therefore, God had to bring down their heart with labor. They fall down and there was none to help them. And sometimes when the person, if, if pride is the issue, sometimes God would allow that person to come down, down to a place where they have to, they are faced with the reality that they are in effect mortal. Huh? I, heard a, I heard a preacher once say, that he, know, he knows so much about God, there's only 1% left for him to learn. That's what he said. He knows so he knows 99% of God, about God. Not the Bible, you know, about God himself. God who is eternal. It, there's only 1% left for him to learn. And he was, a, and he was one of those m ministers who... Um, has gone through all the training, achieved a lot of qualification, achieved a lot of this, a lot of that. And that's what fills him with the pride. Hmm? And what he doesn't understand, what he forgot, was that God loves the simple heart. Even if you're learning, even if you're going to school, even if you're studying the word of God and going to Bible college, we must never forget that God just speaks to you heart to heart. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's very simple to follow the Lord, you know. It's very simple. That's why I don't underestimate, you know, you go into the Caribbean or you go into South America, you go into Africa and you see some very simple people. 
Not educated, not well educated. Sis. But they can tell you experience with God that you would think, no man, that's not possible. But they have it, that relationship with him. Because in their simple way of living, they have to reach out and depend on God. Hallelujah. Sometimes they don't even know who, there's no food in the, in the house or the shed or the hut that they're living in with their family. They have their husband. They have all these children in there. There's nothing to come by. And they have to sincerely sit down on their, go on their knees and pray and ask God eternal, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to provide a meal for them that day. None of us have to go through that. But some of them, that's what they have to do. And God can come true for them. He will touch someone. He will speak into someone's mind. He will say to them, go over there and knock that door and give them this. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. And when he does that and the person knocks their door and says, yes, I was going by here or I was going by there. Oh, we, oh, we bought too much in our shopping. Here, take this. Hallelujah. It is God. And when pride, if pride is the effect of why someone is living out of the will of God, God, as the scripture says, he will bring them down low. <clears throat> That's a sign of his love. If God didn't care, he would leave them same way until they get to that place where it's too late. But he brings them down low. Hallelujah. He brings them down low. And then they cry out to him. Hallelujah. As verse 13 says, they cry out to the Lord in their trouble. When all is lost, the certificates can't save you anymore. Everything is falling down in their life. Everything is in distress in their life. Nothing that they were proud of can help them anymore. And it says that when he brings them down into that level of de depth and they fall down and they realize they can't turn to, to me, all I can do is pray for them. But their situation remains the same. When they, when they turn to others to pray, their situation remains the same. But then the word of God says in verse 13, that when they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saves them out of their distresses. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. When you pray out to the Lord without the airs and the graces, you don't come to God as if you're talking man to man. You don't come to God as if he's some little boy. You don't go to God as if he's an ATM machine. You don't go to God as if he's just a shop. You're just going and picking what you want him to do for you. You come to him as broken, a broken vessel. Hallelujah. You come to him recognizing 
that he is God. Hallelujah. And you are just a man. Praise God. Hallelujah. God will hear your cry when you come to him broken with no option to look left, no option to look right. Hallelujah. When you turn to God in that desperate situation, he will hear your cry and save you out of your distresses. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's not too late. Praise God. It's not too late. Praise God. God is good and worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise God. The word of God says that in verse 17 that fools because of their transgression and because of their iniquities are afflicted. Fools because of their transgressions and because of their iniquities are afflicted. Hallelujah. Then in verse 19, he says, they cry unto the Lord in their trouble and he saves them, hallelujah, out of their distresses. Verse 20 says, he sends his word and he heals them, hallelujah, and delivers them, hallelujah, from their destructions. Praise God, it's not too late. Hallelujah. Amen. To turn to God. Hallelujah. What I like about verse 20 is it talks about three things God does for people of God. When you sincerely turn your back, turn back to him. Verse 20. He says that he will save them. He will save them. And then it says, he will heal them. And then it says, he will deliver them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He will save them. He will heal them. And he will deliver them. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's not too late. For that brother or sister who is this acting like this person right here, it's not too late for the friends and family who are acting like the people right here. Praise God. Hallelujah. Sometimes God will allow them to get broken down and lose the big fancy car. Lose things and lose things. So they have nothing left to be proud of. For them to turn to God and say, God, save me. Hallelujah. And he will hear their cry and save them and heal them and deliver them. Hallelujah. This is what God does in, in, in our physical body, in our life here on earth. Through his spoken word. He sends his word. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise Hallelujah. Amen. 
He sends his word into your circumstance. Sometimes we, you know, we, we're praying about certain things. And we're praying, the things we're praying to God about is like the, what we can see, what we feel. But when God will send his word, he not only will he deal with the things you see and the things you see, you're feeling, but he will deal with the root cause. Hallelujah. Whether it came through your own personal sin, whether it came through generational curses, whether it came through other people talking negative things over your life, God not only will heal your situation, but he will deal with it all. Holistically. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Amen. That's why, you know, um, that book of Judges is so interesting for me to read. If you read Judges, you will see. Because it was the time in, in the nation's history when there was no leader whatsoever. But then again, even when they had the leaders, apart from Samuel and then King David, all the other leaders failed. But at least I had a leader. <laughs> Someone who could just, God could say, you know what? Move into King Hezekiah to remove the idols out of the temple. Remove the prophets of Baal away from the nation. And just say, you know what? You're going to serve the Lord your God, Yahweh, alone. At least I had a leader to do that. But in the book of Judges, they had no leader whatsoever. No man in charge. And what would happen is that every now and then, and it was a period of 300 years, what would happen is that every now and then, God would raise up a judge. God can raise up a, a, a man as a judge, even raise a woman as a judge to lead them against their enemies. And I remember that one of the judges that God raised was a man called Samson. Now, if Samson was in the church today, he will give any pastor a headache. <laughs> I'm telling you. He will give any pastor a headache. Because Samson was called by God with a purpose. And he was blessed with strength. Supernatural strength from God. But yet, he went into the enemy's camp and was taking up women from the enemy's camp and lying with them. And his own father was tearing his own hair out and saying, why don't you just take a, a daughter of Israel? Why you not take a Hebrew girl and just settle down? He didn't want that. He wanted to be out there in the world. He was what we would call today a bad boy. Yeah? He was out there in the world doing the things he did. And Samson was kind of like some of the people here. It's coming to some of the people that is here in Psalm 107, turning his back on God, not listening to God's counsel, doing what feels right to him. And when he's upset and he feels upset, I'm just go and mash up a few Philistines and get things off his chest. That's how Samson was living. And then... But Samson, there's a lesson to learn in this man's life. Yeah. 
There's a lesson to learn in this man's life, especially for men. Because I could say this, from my observation, the way a Christian sister follows the Lord is different to the way I see a man follow the Lord most of the time. And sometimes when the, 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 the Samson was trusting in his strength, he was trusting in the things, the, the tangible, the carnal. He was trusting in these things. And we all know what happened. He met a lady called Delilah. And I bet you she was a pretty thing too. And he met Delilah. And he was smitten with her. Hmm? And now and then when them like them together like so. And Delilah was saying to him, tell me, Louis, the secret. Tell me your secret, Samson. Tell me, tell me. I'll cook your favorite food if you tell me. And Samson at first was, catch, he was catching the rake. And at first, Samson never told Delilah what his strength come. At first, he'd tell her, like, if, if you tie, like, grass around me, then, 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 then I will lose all my strength. And when he was asleep, she tied grass around him. This man don't learn, you know. She tied grass around him. And she called the Philistine guards. And they come in on him. And the words they just bam, the grass, and deal with them and brought them up and slew them. And then she must have let it just settle a while. Then Delilah come back again. And says, Samson, why are you lying to me? You know, women don't like it when a man, man hides secrets from them, you know. So she said to Samson, why are you lying to me? I thought you would tell me everything. Hmm? And the long and short of it is that it came to a point when Samson actually told her his heart. He says, if you cut my locks, all off, I will lose my power. And to show you that even in the, the enemy's realm, he recognizes the truth. Because the Bible says, but when he said that to her, she knew he had told her the truth. Hmm? When he told her that, she knew, yes, I catch you. And when he was sleeping, she called a man. And the man come in and cut off his hair. Boy, that man, Samson, must be a heavy sleeper. That's all I can say. A man come in and cut his hair, you know, and he's still asleep. A man come and cut off all his hair. And then when she ready, and the Philistine guards came in, she said, Samson, the Philistines are here. And he jumped up to fight them. And he lost all of his strength. And the enemy hold him and grab him and put him in chains. 
that normally he would just bust. But now the chains are holding him. The chains have bound him. They beat him. They rejoiced over the fact that they got God's champion, man. And they brought him before all of their dignitaries of the Philistines. All the kings, the princes, all the royalty, the leaders, they made a big celebration of the fact that their God, Dogon, their God, an idol, has conquered the God of Israel. That's how they would have looked at it. Their God is stronger than our God. And they rejoiced and they had him there. And the Bible says that when they plucked out his eyes, they sh so he had shaven his hair, they plucked out his eyes, and they had him milling flour. So where the mill flour is like there's this grinding thing, you push around like this. And this is what they used to use prisoners of war to do. Because it's such a breath-baking job. You will, you will die if you did it over a certain period of time. They know it's going to kill you. And that's what they had Samson in, just pushing it. Like so. All the time. Day after day after day. And they would have been laughing at him. And the Bible says that they brought Samson now for this big celebration get-together. Get and they brought him in the, in the middle or where, the, where the temple is, where they were celebrating. And the Bible says what's really, what's really sad, but as reflection to this word here in Psalm 107, was that in the state that he was in, they never realized that his locks was growing back. They never realized. And when in the state of his demise, when he's brought low, when the enemy's rejoicing over him, when his mother and father are crying, when they hear the news how he's fallen and taken captive, when he's in that lowest of the low state, guess what Samson does? He prays to God. That's the first time he prays to God. It's when, just like in these people here in Psalm 107, when they're brought low, some people, God, and God has his calling on you, he has his purpose on you, it's when they're brought low and everything's gone, there's no help whatsoever. The doctor can't help you. No more. You have even saints praying for you all around the world. But what God wants to hear is your voice. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. He wants to hear you reach out to him. As the creation to the creator. Hallelujah. With all your sincerity in your heart. 
That's what, this is what had to happen to Samson. The Bible says that he prayed to God and he prayed to God and he says he got this little boy that was there. He heard a little boy was there and he, and he called the boy to him. And he's, remember, he's blind now. And he says to the boy to lead him, hallelujah, to in between the pillars. Praise be to God. Praise God. And he says to the boy, just lead me to between the two pillars, son. And he stood between the pillars. And he left his hands, one on one side, one on the other. And he prays to God. And he says, God, Jesus, what I'm praying for today is just for this last moment. He knew he was going to die. But he says to God, just for this last moment, give me back my strength. And God gave him his strength. The Bible says that when he pushed those pillars, hallelujah, that the whole of the building, the whole arena, the whole stadium came tumbling down. Hallelujah. And slew all the kings and princes of the Philistines. Praise God. And the one testimony for, for Samson was that in Judges it says that he killed more of their enemies in death than he ever did for the whole of his life. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. The reason why I use Samson as an, as a, as a example is to say we, we don't want to be in that example still, sis. You don't want to be living your whole life own way, doing your own thing. You know, God has got your back. Amen. And you're enjoying life and you're just doing this and that on the enemy. And then it's only when it's, it's virtually late when you decide now and you remember that you have a God. It's never too late to turn back to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. I remember with King Hezekiah, there was a time when King Hezekiah, when King Hezekiah was a king who did many good things, but he did make mistakes. He did good things for the nation because he cleared out the temple of all the idol worshipping and statues and all these things. And he reestablished the law in the land and he cleansed certain things. But where he was where he fell, it was with, was with his dealings with the other nations. The Bible says at one time he even opened the the the, the, the door of all the, the the gold and the silver and the cutlery that's in the temple to the Syrians to come and look at it, and it really made God upset that He's doing that to, for these people. You know, sometimes in church we take church too lightly you know we take the things of god too lightly yes it's for granted we take these things for granted huh? we think because because of um lockdown 
and because of um, the government is saying vaccine, you're going to allow people who are not even believers to come and talk to your congregation and tell you it's safe. Hezekiah in his natural eyes would have probably thought there was no harm in what he was doing. Hmm? They're just looking. He didn't give them it, you know, sis. He just let them look. But God knows that the devil now is going to put something in their heart. When now they know they've got something to come for. And take God's sanctified vessels for his people and his namesake out of his temple, bring it into their Sodomite nation and rejoice and de desecrate the name of God. That's what God sees, but Hezekiah didn't see it. He was naive. That's what he was. And then one day with Hezekiah, God sent the prophet, and I'm bringing it down, God sent the prophet Isaiah to him. And when Isaiah came to him, this is in 2 Kings chapter 20. Isaiah came to Hezekiah and he said to him, Get your house in order. Praise God. Get your house in order as a prophet of the Lord. Hallelujah. Because Hezekiah is what you call a prophet, sis. He's not the last days man now that call himself prophets. They will tell you your phone number. And that's all they can tell you. And what colour is your front door. Things like that, that's what they can tell you. And you don't know what spirit it is that's telling them certain things, to how they get to know certain information. But Isaiah came to Hezekiah the king and said to him, get your house in order. Because thus says the Lord, you are about to die. And the Bible says that Hezekiah turned because he was sick and in bed. The king was sick and in bed. And the Bible says that now he, he doesn't have the chariots. He's not thinking about chariots. He's not thinking about pageantry. He's not thinking about gold. He's not thinking about silver. He's not thinking about the palace. He's not thinking about his garments and his robes. He's thinking about his life. Even millionaires and billionaires, sometimes they get to a place where they realize that all of these things they have means nothing without God. And Hezekiah, just like the people in Psalm 107, the Bible says that when Isaiah left him, he turned his back and he faced the wall and he cried. He cried to God. And all he was taught, says to God was, he reminded God of the good things he had done. Hallelujah. He turned and he faced the wall. There's something about him just facing the wall, you know. 
It's like there's no distraction. There's no, it's just face the wall like so. And it's just him and God. And he cries to God. And he says to God, oh God, he's talking to God about the things he had done, the things he had tried, the things he struggled through. And he wept. And we know the Bible says there's power in weeping before the Lord. God hears your tears. He hears the tears when you cry unto the Lord. Because when you're crying, that's when it's sincere. That's when it's from the heart. Hallelujah. You're not, you're not, you're not crying. When you cry to the Lord and you're in a, a church of a hundred people, that you can't be you can't be worried about what Sister Shirley's thinking about you. You're just crying to the Lord. Because you know what you need. Amen. You know what he can do. Amen. You know it's only him. It's not the, the, set, the brother to the left. It's not the sister to the right. Amen. Hallelujah. It's only God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And Hezekiah cried to God. Amen. And God spoke not to Hezekiah, but to the prophet Isaiah. Amen. As the prophet was leaving the courtyard, God said to him, go back, hallelujah, go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears, hallelujah, I will heal you on the third day from now. You will go up to the temple of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. From the third day now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. This was a man who was on his deathbed waiting to die. And who the prophet had confirmed will die. But due to his tears, due to his prayer, hallelujah, sincere from the heart he realized in that moment it was not too late Amen. hallelujah Amen. he turns back to god and he prays and god says i've heard your prayer and i have seen your tears Amen. praise god Amen. hallelujah Amen. praise the name of the lord hallelujah. praise god it's not too late some of you, and I'm closing now, some people who hear this sermon maybe on social media or elsewhere. You may have a problem or you know someone who has a problem that's affecting you greatly. I pray that God will send his word into that situation, into that circumstance, wherever they are, whatever is happening. I pray that God will speak his word into their presence. Hallelujah. So that they can turn from their ways and repent and turn back to God and be saved and be healed and be delivered in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise God.